Well, good morning, New Hope. Thank you, Pastor Joe. I'm Juliana, and I am so excited to be here with you guys in the building. We have Colin, Dan, Rob, Peter, Bruce. We got Joe, and I saw on YouTube Tanya and Stephen, among many others, are joining us in our virtual experience. So thank you so much for being here. And I just want to start off by saying that I love you, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here with you. So we are starting this, uh, or we're continuing in this series called A New Hope, and it brings me back to this story. So I wanna share this. A few years ago, I found myself in a place where I really desperately needed change. I was spiraling into burnout. I mean, I was so tired. I was barely sleeping. I didn't feed my body in any type of right way. I was barely eating. My body was consistently in pain. And I got to say, when you're in full-time ministry or just in life in general, burnout is just not a good look. So what do I do but bring this to my pastor who cares to share some practical ways towards healing. So he sent me to a gym to sign up for a gym membership. Now something about me is I'm a little bit competitive and I'm a teacher's pet, so not only did I go to the gym, but I also got a personal trainer. And would you believe it, but the personal trainer that I got, her name, in fact, was Hope. Hope Regalbuto. Shout out to you, Hope. I love you so much. Let me tell you about Hope. She is sweet and friendly and so full of energy. And she is also built strong. She is solid and steady. She is everything that you want in a personal trainer. And she was also just really intense. And in ways that I don't know that she actually knew that she was. But I sensed an intensity in her. And as a Latina, when somebody is, gets intense with me, I make sure to match that energy with some attitude. So you better believe that when we started our sessions and she would throw some burpees my way, of course, I would give her some eye rolls. And of course, when she would throw me a challenge that I didn't know that we were getting into that day, I promise you, I would give her a heavy dose of sarcasm. I think one time I even tried to pass off some of my responsibilities of like my funeral because I thought I was going to die in one of her sessions. And the thing is, is that the reason why I felt tension was because her and I had different ideas of what I was capable of. Like she believed I could do box jumps. I did not. She believed that I could do like farmer carries with heavy weights and do laps. I. I could not believe that I could do that. And she believed that I could lift really heavy bars and get them up fast and put them down in right posture. And she thought I should do that and I could do that and I, I just did not. And Hope, what she did is she pushed me past what I was comfortable. Why? Because she knew that there was purpose in the pain that I was experiencing. And we went on a journey of trust. And it was hard to trust her because I was oftentimes searching for relief. That's what I went to the gym for. I wanted practical, physical relief. But every time she met me with resistance, which of course I met right back with some more resistance in the form of an attitude. And ultimately, the reason why it was a hard journey because I just was scared. I was stuck in a posture of fear and I was scared. I was scared to run. I was scared to jump. I was scared to carry. I was scared to listen and to obey because I just didn't want to feel pain. 
And I had already experienced so much pain, I didn't want to feel hurt again and disappointed again and defeated again. But of course, with time, I realized that the work of trusting in hope again and again, rep by rep, set by set, step by step, I was making way to receive a reward. And ultimately, the reward was more than she changed my circumstance, she actually developed my character. And now I even hear her voice in my workouts today. So there was an unlocking of fear that had to happen in order for me to trust hope. And I had to trust that she had a deep compassion for me, that she did care for me, and that she had a better understanding and a greater knowledge to know what is actually best for me. And you know what? As hard as it was to trust in hope, the personal trainer at Brick Bodies, I find in life that it's actually just as difficult to trust in the person of perfect hope, the person, the perfect name of Jesus. So throughout my life, I have faced so many seasons that have been marked by fear, and the byproduct of that has looked like failure and defeat and disappointment, loss and grief. And the longer that I've stayed in those seasons of fear, I realize that the longer I allow myself to become resistant to begin to hope again. And so my question is, have you felt yourself in a place of disappointment, failure, pain, and grief, and that it's met you again and again and again? And here's the thing, you've come here today for change, like true heart change, and you want breakthrough and transformation in your life, and I want to honor the work that you and God are doing right now. So I want you to think about that disappointment that has come up, and I'm going to give you a few seconds, and allow God to bring it up to your mind. So God has brought you here today to renew your sense, but also reframe your perspective of hope. And in that, I believe that we will experience a breakthrough that brings a tremendous amount of comfort as we experience the peace of Jesus. So let's jump into God's word. I want you to open up to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in chapter 40, verses 1 through 11 is where we're going to live today. So pull that up on your phone or if you've got your paper Bible with you, make sure you take some good notes. Now what we read is going to be a prophetic word. Yes, indeed, it is future-oriented. It is set to the scene of Jesus coming as the Messiah to save. Now, something here to know is that the nation of Israel had a heavy past and would continue to carry some heavy burdens. And there would come a time where they would suffer hundreds of years of silence between them and God. And that chasm, that gap, that silence was deafening. And yet God speaks and he addresses through a voice that's calling out in the wilderness of that silence to bring about a new hope. God sees his people, and he sees that their hearts have become desperate and somehow along the way distorted and disillusioned. And so he shares with Isaiah this truth that, hey, there needs to be a work of preparation. And so we need to work to prepare the hearts of people so that the purpose and the person of Jesus Christ wouldn't be missed or easily disregarded. All of that to say, it's a future hope spoken to a present moment of people who are desperate for more. And man, if that doesn't sound like us, we're going to draw out some significant layers that apply to our lives as we read this text. So join me in this. 
Conversation between God and Isaiah, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended and that her guilt has been removed, that she has received the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. And hear the silence. The voice of the one calling out, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight a desert in, the, uh, in a highway for our God, let every valley be lifted up high and every mountain and hill be made low and let the uneven ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then, someone say then. Say then. Then, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out. And then he answered, this messenger that we're going to sit in some tension with today, this messenger answers, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all of its loveliness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades, and when the breath of the Lord blows upon it, the people, they're just grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And I want to pause there and live here for a minute. The voice that has been commanded to call out this message speaks with a tension that I feel really deeply. I feel like God is telling this messenger to command and to break the silence with a new hope. And here he says, yeah, this is a good message. This is so good. It's actually too good to be heard but a few times and then lost generation to generation. And he says, what should I call out? What could I possibly say? And why would I even say it to a person or to people who fade like flowers and wither like grass? Like this message that I hear that breaks the silence is actually so much more than just enough water to, flower the, to water the flower for just another day. No, this message actually has the power to crumble mountains and to lift up valleys and to reveal to the whole earth that God is a God not just that saves in temporary situations, No, but a God that saves for eternity. This is too good of a message, and I feel his tension. See, he knows that there has been a desperation that has been distorted and that they've been disillusioned. And in their hearts, they may not even be able to see the comfort of their Savior because of the chaos in their lives. And even if they did, I'm sure some doubt would set in. Like, would they just return back to some of their unhealthy perspectives and some of their, like, destructive behaviors? He knew that Israel was desperate. There was a longing in the nation of of Israel that actually was a good thing. It was a good thing. The longing was to step into the fullness of the calling to be chosen people to establish a kingdom. And somewhere along the way, that got twisted. And it it didn't look, their salvation, their redemption, their deliverance, it just didn't look like what they had hoped for because it got twisted. 
See, it didn't look like the salvation or the establishment of their kingdom when their Redeemer with fire in his eyes and the power to slay enemies came as a cute little baby, right? Like the salvation and the deliverance of their kingdom didn't look that the way that they thought it looked like when this cute little baby told them to go ahead and love their enemies instead. And it certainly didn't look like their idea of comfort when Jesus broke their ideals of what it actually meant to be chosen. And so this messenger with this good news, I hear it. He's saying your heart is desperate. It's disillusioned, hoping in temporary things, and you've been met by lingering disappointment. Now you might be too afraid to even hope and see the comfort that is in Jesus. And maybe you're just fading and withering away. And I hear that the question that he has on his heart for Israel is, do you want a savior to establish your kingdom? Or do you want a God that saves you in order to establish his? And guys, as we draw out significance and we apply the timeless truth of God's word to our life, I would ask us the same thing, particularly if you find yourself today desperately fading and withering away, trying to hold on to something that you're not even sure you're going to get through. Let me ask you this. Do you want God to give you the glamour for your resolve situation that will last but a moment? Or do you want God to proclaim his glory over your entire life, no matter what happens all the way into eternity? That's the question we're wrestling with right now. And it's really just as simple as some of these more clear questions like, do you hope for that paycheck more than you desire to have the riches of God's wisdom, even if that means eating some beans and rice while you're budgeting out your tithe? Do you hope for that scrumdilicious partner more than you just want to be a lover of God's presence, no matter how long it takes for him or her to start acting right and to come through? And maybe I didn't call it out, so why don't you go ahead and fill in the blank? You know what it is. Do you want that fill in the blank? Do you want that resolved situation now more than you want to worship God, even if he never gives it to you. See, somewhere along the way, I think we've, we've disordered our hope and we've placed our hope in things that, yeah, they might be good, but sadly, they will fade away. And I'm not saying that those are like bad things. Those are good things for us to have. And yet somehow it can get so twisted that we can live our lives in a posture that speaks more about what we have received rather than who we have received. And I know this is hard because we live in a physical world with physical demands and it's hard to get like, to just stay in focus with this. I know, I know. But I'm just asking for us not to get so desperate that we lose the meaning or we lose our hope or we lose what it means to believe in what actually is good news. Now you got honest with me, so I'll get honest with you. I have this really, really big, beautiful, vibrant family. And we're the type of family that just kind of kept having kids, like my nieces and nephews are around my age, we're like that type of family. 
And we bring some drama. I mean, we can make any situation look like 2020. <laughs> like That's just the kind of family that I have. But I have to say that this year has been particularly difficult for us. It has rocked us in ways that we didn't realize. So the beginning of the year, we had some really we were walking into it with some really good news because my niece, Vanessa, who's just a few years younger than me, was pregnant. And man, we were so excited because it would be her and her husband's first together, and we just knew that this would be such a good, refreshing wind into our family to have this new baby. And we were so excited. And it's exciting to watch uh, your family members like labor and work and develop and bring about something new and good. And Vanessa, she is just like little, like she's a little woman. And she is petite and tiny, and she was just carrying around this big old basketball. And I say that in a sweet, sweet way. And man, we were excited to see if um, this baby boy that she had named Adrian, if he would take over his like dad's skin tone, or if he would favor her like big, beautiful, lashy eyes. And so you get it. We were excited about this good news of this baby. Well, in July of 2020, we were informed that in her nine month of carrying this child, no heartbeat had been detected. And we were devastated. In the middle of chaos, COVID chaos, in the middle of an unexpected moment, with family scattered at what was supposed to be the peak of life, we were given this news that Vanessa would have to deliver this baby quickly because Adrian had passed. Now I didn't know what to do but to pray. And so I came before the Lord, and I came before the Lord with like a great hope, and I gave him all of my great hope. And all of my hope was on my knees with tears streaming down my face, and I was like, God, maybe, maybe with a hard push. Lord, maybe with a slap on the bottom. Lord, maybe you would return breath and heartbeat to Adrian and you would do a miracle in our lives. And it was infectious, this hope. And so my friends and my family and people I didn't even know on the group chat, put our, we put ourselves in a text chain and we began praying and we were sending voice messages to each other about our prayers and we were texting ferociously, I mean, letting each other know that we had hope and faith, that we serve the God of miracles and that we weren't going to not bring this before the Lord. Man, and we barely slept that night. It was a long labor and that morning, we were expecting to hear the miraculous news of this hope that we so had deep in our hearts. And of course, the next day was a dark day. <sighs> because Adrian was delivered with no cry. And the last few months have been a deep wrestling of asking how and why while carrying the heaviness of this pain. You know, our hope was to have Adrian, and our greatest disappointment was that we can't not hear at least. And it's so difficult because my family had determined that this was good from the second we heard about this news and all the nine months through. We had determined that it was good. And we were faced with something. We were faced with this decision to surrender what we hoped, to determine what we decided was good for our family to the Lord and exchange it 
And really the decision was we were going to exchange it for something. We were either going to exchange it for fear of the future, for depression, for negativity, or we were going to exchange it to receive the comfort of God. And I'm telling you, that wasn't just one time that we did that. In fact, we're still doing that as those emotions, as that heaviness comes up. No, this is not what we had hoped for. But guys, the comfort that I have received fulfills my soul in a way that I'm not sure I can really explain, and I'll try. Again, remember that our prayer was to watch Adrian be born, to watch him grow, to become a man, to take on this world. And that never happened. But you know what did happen? That in the middle of the loss and the grief and the pain, Vanessa... She saw the love of her church. People she didn't even know cared. Come close. And Vanessa's husband, Alejandro, he sacrificed his pain to kiss her wounds in ways I'm not sure he knew he was capable of. And my family and I, we gave my self-proclaimed atheist dad Yet another reason to believe that we, his children, still believe that God is good before, during, and after. And here's the thing. My family prayed together for the first time like I have never seen before. In the kitchen, holding hands, parents with the youngest, me on speakerphone, looking at a situation that is marked by death and turning to the God of life together. And let me tell you, that would not have happened 10 years ago. I mean, the comfort that we have received was a glimpse of heaven. And I find comfort in this. And it's heavy, but I find comfort in this. That no, God didn't give us Adrian. But God did give us a sign of life. As little ones watched, their family turn to God. The one who owns life. And I am believing, I am believing that as these little ones see that it's to turn to God in prayer is not our last resort, but our first response, that maybe something has impacted them so deep and that maybe God used that moment of Adrian's loss to minister to the next generation of my family, to become prayer warriors, to be able to speak fearlessly, to be able to turn to the God of life and thank him for whatever good he decides in this situation. Like maybe Adrian was never about my immediate family having him. Maybe it was all about us and the next generation of my family having and knowing and loving and trusting and hoping in Jesus. And Vanessa and Alejandro, if you're watching, I want to thank you for not allowing yourself to become so devastated, so desperate that you've pushed away the comfort of God. It is because you have taken up the comfort of God that people are able to see the peace that surpasses all understanding that is found in Jesus. And I thank you for that. As I was talking to Vanessa yesterday, she said these words to me that really have just torn me up inside in all the best ways. But we were talking about exchanging the good for the comfort of God. And 
she said, yeah, it would have been good to have Adrian. But Adrian isn't my way to heaven. Yeah, it would be good for you to have whatever that thing is that you were desperately longing for. And yes, I just want you to remember, if it's not Jesus, it's, it's not your way to heaven. And that is the type of hope that is enduring, that stands firm, because it is found in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to go back to the text a little bit. I find something really interesting here. The prophet, the messenger, speaks with a call to fill in the valleys and to make low the mountains and to make smooth the rough plain. And what I hear here is that there is an active work that is built into the mindset of what it means to hope, to see God's glory. And I want you to think about it this way. Before a king comes to take a territory, the armies must march. But before the armies must march, there must be a time where the ground is prepared. And I think it's just very true that there are pieces, territories in our world, in our families, in our hearts that are desperate to have a touch of King Jesus so that he can establish heaven in those places. And what I think is so true, that if we want to see Jesus conquer more of our lives and we want to be able to see the glory of his goodness radiate all throughout, we have got to actively participate in removing barriers. And I'm not saying this is about earning work and effort and salvation, no, but I am saying that there is an invitation to participate in this breakthrough. And here's the challenge. As you're thinking about that thing that has met you with disappointment, as you're pondering and reframing to surrender the hope that you've had in life that maybe has gotten twisted to receive hope in God, I want you to take the extra step today. I want you to take up the active work of removing barriers in your life. Remember that there is a territory that God wants to claim, and it is blocked by a mountain of fear. And it is hidden in a valley of darkness. And it is just on the other side of a treacherous plain that is full of anger and vengeance. And so, okay, great. That's what we need to do next. So how do we do it? How do we begin to remove these barriers? Let's go back to the text in verse 9. The messenger says, Go up on a high mountain, Zion, messenger of good news. Raise your voice forcefully, Jerusalem, messenger of good news. Raise it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord will come with might and with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his compensation is with him and his reward is before him. Now, did you catch it? Did you catch it? Preparing the way in our world and in our families and in our hearts means beginning with not being afraid to proclaim that Jesus has come to save. Step one, don't be afraid to proclaim Jesus has come to save. Now, 
What would it look like for you to go up to this mountain of yours, this mountain of fear, and say, my God has come to save? What would it look like for you to walk up to that valley of sadness and say, no, my God has come to save, and he comforts with his goodness, and the sun will shine here too? What would it look like for you to walk up to that treacherous plane of anger and vengeance and say, no, my God has come to save, and he breaks cycle and he brings a new hope. There's a beauty in this participation. You get to chip away and you get to fill in pails and you get to go up to that mountain and chip away the lies that have been told, told to you when you were younger. And you begin to see territory being claimed in the name of Jesus. And you get to go up to the valley of great sadness and you get to fill in your pail with the promises of God and you get to see that valley of sadness be restored with the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. I mean, there is something that happens within your spirit that is so powerful as you are invited to participate in removing barriers to prepare the way to see God's glory in your life. And like practically speaking, it's really as simple as like calling up a friend and telling them that you're hurting. It's really as simple as replaying the beautiful worship that we heard this morning and singing out these hymns. Some of you, you'll need to take the step to go into therapy and into counseling, and you'll need to have some really hard conversations. Some of you, it looks like a consistent grind. Most times I realize it looks like forced rest. But I trust that the Lord will speak to you and what that looks like for you. When I think back to my relationship with Hope, the personal trainer, She's actually always asked me to prepare the way within my mind and my heart to come ready to do scary and uncomfortable things, to participate in my breakthrough. Yet I know I wasn't doing it on my own. Like I did it with her encouragement and her strength because I trusted and I knew that she would catch me if I fell and that she knew how to care, care for me if I did get hurt. And I'm not sure there's one point that I have for you today, but some of you just need to hear this piece. That Jesus does, in fact, care for you, and he has a deep compassion for you, and that he does have better knowledge and greater understanding of what is good and best for you and I in this world. And he knows that it's hard for us to trust when we don't see it, and he knows it hurts when it doesn't match up with what we thought it would be. But I need you to know that he has always wanted more for you and I than we want for ourselves. He sees you. He knows you. And yet still chooses to love you. So, he's come to save. Will you come to him with your disappointment? Choose him as your only hope and make way for him to clear or to claim victory in your life. And will you enjoy the work of participating in the breakthrough? Whatever you face this Christmas season, let this be a Christmas where you practice choosing the glory of Christ over the glamour of Christmas. Like, choose the glory of Christ over the glamour of what can be posted on Facebook. Choose the glory of Christ 
over the glamour of a resolved situation and let it be a new habit. Let it be a true and genuine act that reflects all throughout your life. And I know that you will come to know this new hope for you at least in their situation as you face it, that Jesus has come to save and that great comfort is in him. As a reminder, our text today leaves us with wanting a little bit more in the best ways as we are reminded that um, no matter what difficulty we might be facing, there is gentleness and strength in the good shepherd. And so verse 11 ends like this. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry the fold in, uh, of his robe. I'm sorry, he will carry them in the fold of his robe and he will gently lead the nursing ewes. Pray with me. God, I thank you for giving us this word. Lord, thank you for being gentle and strong and for calling up to mind, Lord, the places where we have been distorted and disillusioned in our hope. Lord, as you call us to step into difficult terrain and to remove barriers so that we can truly see the glory of your name and your kingdom established in our lives. Lord, would you help us see and know and trust and hope that you are in fact the good shepherd and that you care for us and that you hold us and that you love us deeply. In Jesus' name, amen.